This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So what a win the promotion playoff pushes no we didn't really just record it after we finished the one before don't worry um, yeah do we, I think that the playoff dream however minute it may have been is over would you agree Michael Stockley yeah I think so uh, we know that we you know, it was always going to be a slim one um, but yeah I, I think it's pretty much done yeah, it was it was a nice while it lasted, and the fact that they put us in a position where we could dream for a few days is nice. But I think what this does do, maybe, is allows us to get a little bit of a head start on next season now. Um, you think maybe we can get all eyes on next season, looking at maybe players out of contract in the summer, or would you, is that where we're going now, ditching these loanies, some of the loanies that we know aren't coming through? Could we have seen the last of Smallbone, for example? Um, I think we could very well have seen the last of Smallbone to, a, to an extent in terms of starting, because I agree with you. I think if we are going to be thinking about next year, um, I think there's other players that we need to have a look at. I mean, we, we can go through them, but, you know, Selena is, is is one of them. He's not really had much of an opportunity since he's come because of injury. Do we? I know we've got a, an option to buy him. Uh, after this, well, surely we haven't seen anything to warrant buying him. So does he get a bit of a run now to see what he's capable of? Nick Powell we talked about him a lot on this pod in the last few weeks. Is it a situation where it's a chance for him to prove himself over the last couple of games? Uh, there's a few players like that, but I think, yeah, it's it's time to just start experimenting. I mean, Taylor is back and potentially in defence, you could say. Let's see if we can get him you know, a few minutes under his belt ready for you know for next season um so yeah it's i think it's time to a little bit of experiment uh, to be going on now yeah indeed um i think we'll touch on that later on but first let's dive into this game against bristol city so we knew we were banging form going into it named unchanged side quite settled um we know we've been sort of ripping teams to shreds more so away from home than at home. But when we have been winning at home, we've been winning well. Now, Bristol City, they love coming to the Bet365. We know the four wins out of four since we've been relegated. Um, really paying for that Mama Sadibi brace, aren't we? Back in 2008, where we hit them to promotion. Um, 
and it seemed that it was going to be another another good display, to be honest, first 20 minutes. Uh, Bristol City, I think it was like attack versus defence. State were just, just piling forward. They had the ball constantly. Um, they were creating chances. Then they had about four corners. Um, they were getting the ball wide, getting balls into the box. They were passing it through them. There was neat interchanges, one-twos, back-heels, flicks, the lot. It was all looking so good. It looked like they were on fire. They were all reading each other's game really well. And when Bristol City got the ball... Um, they were just lumping it. They were just basically just getting rid of it. They'd obviously been watching and knew that the the passing out was not the the thing to do, and they were lumping it along. But they were just lumping it to anywhere, and it was basically nine times out of ten, it was straight to a Stoke player who would then recycle it, and they would go again. And that's where it went for twenty minutes. Then it just sort of stopped, unfortunately, didn't it? <laughs> it did. I think. I think a large element I've been thinking about this in the last 24 hours and I think a large element of why it's panned out as it is these players have not had an entire season playing the the Alex Neal way we have been absolutely running teams ragged you know we've been closing down constant pressure for 90 minutes I personally think that we you know we got the goal and I just think we ran out of steam I think that's what it is, Dan, to be honest. I don't think we were, you know, we haven't all of a sudden gone, you know, gone bad or tried to change tactics or change philosophy during the match. I think we have just run out of steam. Um, you know, yeah, you could say it was almost a game of two halves, not quite, but almost. And, you know, normally, you know, we've, we've been pointing in complete performances. Um, obviously, didn't turn up second half. But like I said, I, I think it's down to tiredness more than anything else. Um, and let's be honest as well. I saw some of the reaction that was going on online. Anyone would think we're in the bottom three, the way that people were going off on one. Like, what was it? One loss in six, I think we've had. It's not a record, not a bad record to have in this division, Dan. So I think people were, like us, half an eye on maybe is the, is the playoffs dead. I think it's a bit of disappointment. But, God, some of the overreaction was, was laughable. That's all. Yeah, it's unnecessary. I mean, what what do people expect? We've we've just had our longest unbeaten run in a couple of seasons, and we we said we you know if we'd had one more game, if we did defeat yesterday, it would have been the longest since two thousand nineteen. Yeah, what exactly are people wanting? What are they, what are they expecting from this group of players that haven't produced anything like this for years? And then all of a sudden, one bad result, like I say, after five, re- not even results, five really good performances as well. And then they just have yeah. 45 to 60 minutes off. And not completely off. They went absolutely shocking. They just went on it to the same standard as they have been. And from, you know, and then, then all of a sudden, that's like it's a, the last five games just completely forgotten about. Oh, it's terrible. You know, no team turns up every week. It's just that some teams, like even the Manchester Cities and teams like that, are good enough to not turn up and still win, aren't they? But even the Manchester City fans will tell you they aren't on it every week. And in this league, when you're on it, you lose games, and that's why that's why nobody really runs away with the league. You know, even obviously Burnley out of it, they've been a the only consistent side in the division, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, and they've obviously won it at a canter. Uh, they were. They're just a good team, but you spot on that. You're right. The Man Cities of this world, they've got game changers, um, and they need people who just need one moment to change a game. 
Now, in this division, there's very few teams, if any, that have got a player that can just change things around and carry the rest of the team. You can't, you can't really get around, around that. And I thought, you know, if we want to look at individual performances, Dan, I thought, you know, Ben Wilmot was was very good again. Um, he's, he's been a solid player all season, Ante, but uh, again, I know he played that nice long ball out to Tyrese who crossed it to, to Powell, but I just think he's... He's a pacey player. We know that. You know, I think his positioning is good. He's he's been steady all year. Probably man of the match, really. Uh, but I think his pace at the back is really important. It can sometimes get him out a bit of bother, but also it allows him to cover for you know, some of the slower players in the likes of Jaggy Alka and Co. And um, I do think what I would say, Dan, and I don't know if you noticed this, but um, looking back at certain certain moments, I thought Hoover and Sterling. And I think there's a reason probably why Bristol did quite well, as I think they penned us back quite well. They, they were putting a lot of pressure in, and that stopped Hoover and Sterling really you know, doing what they've been doing in the last few weeks in that second half. Um, so I think they actually played it really well, Bristol. Um, but I think that was an, another element of it. You know, they, they didn't just let us dominate the ball second half. Yeah, I think, I mean, I touched on it just regarding the tactics. I think what they did, they got the ball forward quicker. And I think, I wonder whether that didn't allow the fullbacks time to get to join us, the attack as much. Like they were pinned back as much because the balls were quickly coming over the top. So they couldn't go forward because they knew they didn't have the time to get back. Do you get, do you understand? So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Thinking, yeah. Um, so they had to be a bit more like on the toes defensively. Um so, yeah, I mean, if that's the case, and if that's something that Pearson has, has sort of watched Oaken and sort of, you know, come to think of, then fair play to him. It's, um, yeah, good tactical move uh, for a manager. Let's just hope that others don't cotton on to it. <laughs> well, if they do, we have to find ways of counteracting it and, and having more than just, you know, one route to, to win a match. I think all successful teams have more than one way of winning. Yeah, I do remember about, about 15 minutes into the game, the, the the bloke who sits behind me went, I just hear him say to like the guy he was with, said, uh, oh, and that bloody Tony Mowbray says, we don't like having the ball. <laughs> so we got all about to give it away, yeah, for 15 minutes. Like, Is this the one who uh, slates Tyrese Campbell every time he, every chance he gets? No, that, that, that guy, he's a couple, up two or three rows further back he is. Luckily, he's not well, within. Luckily, I'm not within swinging distance of him when I sarcastically <laughs> applaud Tyrese for the most basic of things. Well, I won't be sitting with him next season anyway, Dan, so don't worry. No. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I... I mean, like I said, they got talking of Tyrese, the, the goal itself was um, nice early ball in. I wonder whether... I was thinking about this earlier on. I wonder whether he's realised that well, if he's putting a cross into the box, because let's face that there was nothing magical about that ball into the box, was it? He's, he's come in, he's, he, there's a big you know, big diagonal switch from Wilmot. He's took a touch and he's just basically side-footed the ball, looped the ball into the box. It's bounced and Powell's, you know, on the second bounce, Powell's sort of finished his answer. Um, and you wonder whether it, is he sort of looking at the championship and thinking, you know what, I have got ability to do wonderful, marvellous things and, and great things with the football. But with the defending in this division, I don't even have to, I don't really have to do that. 
I don't have to be at my very, very best to create chances. No, but I think I think with Tyrese, it's it's instinct. I think he's got that natural striker's instinct. To be honest with you, I don't even think he thinks about it. Um, what I did like is one thing he has been criticised in the past is when he's had, you know, pace. He's too slow at getting the ball in, and like you say, you know, the balls come across. He's taken one touch and straight across. If he takes any more than one touch there, that ball does not have it. Won't come to Powell because the defence will be we're running back towards their own goal. So he had to hit it first time. So that's awareness and, uh, you know, Tyrese's ability just to put it on a plate. And yeah, Nick really couldn't have missed. If that's Jacob Brown, Jacob Brown scores. He, he couldn't really miss for me. So, yeah. I think, yeah, Tyrese, we, we know we know what he's like. He's a bit of a, just a bit of an architect, I suppose is the best word for, for that guy. I said, I said it on the last pod, that he's more than just a goal scorer. You know, he's, he's a bit of a complete forward for me. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see what he's like next season. I think, you know, hopefully he can take that into next season because he is going to be absolutely critical uh, to us. And I think if he goes in there over the, with this full season behind him, with hopefully a few more players that can add a bit more, um, a bit more attacking flair, you know, maybe a, a, an upgrade on Jacob Brown, for example, uh, then, you know, we don't have to just rely on Tyrese turning up every week. Because again, any successful team going for promotion, you have to have more than one striker. Yeah, unless you're Burnley and you just flood unless you're Burnley. Unless you flood, you just flood your squad with you know, fantastic players. Um, but, you know, no offence to Alex Neil in the slightest, but he doesn't have the pulling power of a Vincent company, does he? Of, no. You know, and, and also, we don't have the parachute payments that Burnley have. So... No, we wasted hours. They spent 40 million quid, but they've spent it better than us at the end of the day. I mean, simple as that, really. They had a plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they certainly did. Well, at least and... they had a plan and stuck to it. We had a plan and ditched it six months in. Rightly or wrongly, because the manager turned out to be a complete arsehole. No fact. <laughs> um, didn't he? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, like, you know, this, this game itself switched second half. And I mean, well, like I say we've taken the lead there. Powell's given us the lead at half time. Everyone's looking rosy. Um, somebody <clears throat> tweeted out on the average step along the way Twitter account uh, that we were just seven points off the playoffs. Don't know who did that because it, it certainly couldn't have been me. Uh, no, it couldn't have been you, could it? Not at all. No. The Gremlins, I think I think it was, Dan. As I said to the, the chat then, I was on the moon uh, excavating moon rock, so it certainly couldn't have been me. Uh, yeah, you, you, the signal is always a bit weak up there. It is, it is. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was a fair comment, sort of, you know. I knew as soon as it happened, I'm like, right, delete, delete, delete. <laughs> it, was, it was a factual tweet, wasn't it? We were seven it, points away from the playoffs at the time. It was, and it's it's one of them. It's not the fact that obviously what happened happened. It's just I couldn't be couldn't be bothered with the constant um, tweets we were going to get off the back of it. I was like, I, I'm not going to waste my afternoon replying to all these people. Like I've got a crystal ball, and I should have known better. Um, so yeah, I thought, <laughs> I thought I'd cancel that one. 
This is when really you get over optimistic, you see. You should have seen, you should have known that Stoke will always bring you back down to earth and bring you back down to earth they did. Um, we were lucky, really. We were lucky not to be 1-0 down before we scored. I mean, um, you put your house on, uh, Naki Wells finishing. When you, when you beat the offside trap, a bit of miscommunication between the centre-halves and he was through against Bonham. And uh, I thought Jack actually did really well. I was watching, you know, I just sort of watched him in that movie. I thought, when's he going to go? When's, you know, is Wells just going to slot it past him? And he sort of went for go, stopped. And then just as Wells got to the edge of the box, he just, he just threw him, you know, took a few steps forward and just threw him, made himself big. And um, like I say, Naki Wells missed the target from inside the box, which you wouldn't have expected with the timing that he had, a striker of his sort of quality. And, um, experience lacking confidence though isn't it with him he hasn't scored many at all this season and in fairness as you said you know you call that chap bottom i think that's back-to-back games now that he's he's been a, a solid a solid force if you like at the back and uh whether he's feeling the the need to impress uh, for him for, for his own good for next season i don't know but yeah fair dues to to him he, i don't think he could have done much People criticised him for the goal uh, where it's looped over his head. Yeah, maybe. Um, it's it's one of them. You you see goals like that on a relatively regular basis. He's often, you know, it's a looping header. It is what it is. I, I think it's very very harsh to to lay all the blame at his door. You could say that. Well, firstly, we should have made a better attempt of actually stopping the cross coming in the first place. Um, I think it was Ben Wilmoth actually. I think he's kind of just let his man get in front of him, and it's a good header. I think it's it's just one of them it's things. Jags, it was just a good yeah, goal. Was it Jags? Yeah, was it? I, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't quite it. remember. Yeah. Yeah, I watched it because I was thinking who's that, and then I sort of watched it back when I got in, and yeah, Wilmoth had gone further. He'd been sort of taken further forward, and I think the uh, just left the space in behind, and Jagielka sort of. Yeah, I think he's one of them where he's seen it happen before it's happened. So he's like, oh, God, I need to get across, but he didn't have enough time. And like I say, he's, guys won the header. And like I say, he, he, he looped it over bottom in it. I mean, there's always, there's always so so much the goalkeeper can do in that situation. So he can't sort of grow an extra arm, can he? And, you know, and, and tip the ball away. Either he's, either he's got the height and the reach to get to that, or he hasn't. And in that case, in this instance, he didn't. And um, yeah, he's like I say, Jack Bottoms. He's shown that he's a solid goalkeeper with limitations um, in the past, and you know that he, there is a ceiling to his performances. We'd say, but I also, I think, if you're going to use that analogy, you probably always say you would probably say as well. There's a flaw to his. He, he does. It's not as if he's he ever throws in a stinker. I would say where it's like. You know, oh my god, he's threw one in his own net. He's, he's come and missed three crosses. He's you know, he's hit the ball to the opposition striker 20 yards from goal. You, you don't get games like that from him, um, or any real mistakes. He's just he's solid and dependable, but I'm not sure the level that he operates within is at the op- at the level that we need if we are going to be looking at you know. And a proper promotion push next year. No, he's he's just going to be a goalkeeper who's going to be there for the cup games. I I still think it will be Sarkic or um, Iverson 
who are in goal for us as number one next season, probably Iverson. But I think there's a, a couple of deals that, I mean, I suppose actually again, I mean, he, I'm not sure how long he's left on his Leicester deal. But, he's um, last, last week, didn't he? Well, uh, if, we get, if we get, well, he wasn't like, he didn't, it wasn't like a rick for him. It was a free kick once yeah. at the bar, hit his back and went in. Yeah. But at the same time, though, if they get relegated, they may want him. So, who knows? That Premier League is a really weird division. Um, what I wanted to ask you, I mean, as well, mentioned only very briefly earlier on, uh, Selena, what what do we do with him? Um, is he someone that you would play for the next few games to see whether he is any good or do we just basically wipe our hands of it? Because, I mean, I think I not for a lot of people actually remember, but Selena was a Michael O'Neill uh, target that we've revisited. Um, so, w- would you would you keep hold of him? I mean, I don't know what the actual fee would be, but I don't know. If we haven't surely we haven't seen enough of him to, to make a decision. No, I mean he's on loan from Dijon in Tier France, um, who since they signed him from Swansea, have sent him out on a season in it to Ipswich, a season to Cassim Passer. Um, and he's had a season, well, yeah, half a season now with Stoke. So, you know, <laughs> they haven't really, you know, it didn't take, he played one year actually with Dijon and then they've just sort of gone out. So he's got no future there. You wouldn't imagine they'd want much for him, would you? And obviously he has been contracted to them for three years now. So he's probably only got, what, 12 months max left on his contract. If anything at all, he might well be out of contract to this summer. I'm not 100% sure on that. But I think if we were to take him, they'd probably be happy for that at this stage. Um, Just not sure where he fits in, Dan. That's it. Do we want him? That's the question. Um, I think there's there's ability there, but I sort of um, of said to to the guy next to me yesterday, because he was like, oh God, you know, he's, He's shocking. He's not done anything. He's come on him and shocking. And I was like, he's like, he's not good enough, is he? And I said, he might be good. Enough. He might be a good player over at Power League across the road. I imagine he's probably got a few <laughs> flicks and tricks and you know a few you know highlight real moments for a five-a-side game or something. But the hustle and bustle of the championship, he doesn't seem to have it. The one thing I will say though, to be fair to him, he hasn't had. I mean, see, he hasn't had a run of games. He hasn't really had any games, has he, since he's been here? And not through any fault of his own, because he played well when he the first game he played. He was fantastic, wasn't he? He was, but, yeah. But then since then, obviously, we've had this. We had seven loanies, didn't we? So two had to miss out. Obviously, Twanzebe was injured at that point. Um, Sarkic uh, got injured. Twanzebe was fit. So there's always been one fit loanee missing out the squad, and obviously. With the others playing so well, it's not going to be Smallbone. Uh, if Twanzee is fit, it's not going to be him. Um, obviously, it's not going to be um, not going to be Sterling, not going to be Pearson, and Hoover's been showing recently. It's not going to be him either. So, unfortunately for Selena, it's just a victim of circumstance that he's not been getting much game time. Um, when he ha- would I pick it? I think he's got a lot to prove. He don't like say, would you play in these last few games? I'd start him on the bench against Birmingham. 
I think it maybe sends out the wrong vibe if you give him a start after the performance he gave yesterday. Um, but then I think he, he, you you give the thing that you bring him on after saying it or after an hour. Yeah, you bring him on after an hour, give him the last 30 minutes, and then if he does produce something there, or even just a few moments, enough to warrant a start against West Brom. I think he needs to earn the start, but you need to give him the opportunity to earn it as well, if you get me. Yeah, more than just five or six minutes at the end of a game, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, does, it doesn't look good, does it, that he came on in 69 minutes for Powell, uh, Baker went on, came on and Fox came on in the 71st minute for Smallbone and Hoover. So we in, so within three minutes, we've taken off Powell, Smallbone and Hoover for Fox, Baker and Selena. And then a minute later, they equalise and 10 minutes later, they take the lead. It's not the first time that that's happened though, but that I'm not criticising Alex Neal for that because clearly it might have been you know, half an eye on Birmingham thinking we're going to have enough to get through this game. And we're going to, we want to maybe rest a couple of players. I think you can't argue with that, but I think more than anything, that just shows our frailty from the bench and the lack of quality from the bench. Yeah, and I think that's this season that's been sort of FFP related, hasn't it? We haven't been able yeah. to bulk by the squad. Um, hopefully, we can get you know more players in and uh, and that. But I mean, in, you don't really need. A massive squad, anyway, to be successful in, in any in any form of football. To be honest, I think it's a bit of a myth that you need like twenty five good players in a squad. I mean, if you look at the, I believe if you look at the Premier League, for example, the two teams who've used the least amount of players this season are Manchester City and Arsenal. So, and they seem to be pretty successful <laughs> this year, don't they? But it comes out to quality, though. Yeah, exactly. So you, what, you, what you need is you need a good group of evenly matched quality players where if one drops out, the guy coming in, where you don't worry, do you? Where you say, um, you, for example, there, Fox has come on for Hoover. No offence to Morgan Fox, but Hoover's flying at the minute, you know, nominated for player of the, um, player of the month for the whole, um, the whole division. You take him off and you lose a lot by bringing Morgan Fox on, in an attacking sense at least. Uh, yeah. you know, your pace and everything else, goal-scoring ability. What you want is, oh, Keyan Hoover's coming off. We have somebody on the bench who can come in and play the same way. We don't lose anything, just like for like, and the match carries on as it was before, only you've got fresher legs. That That's the dream, if you like, isn't it? and that's what they should be aiming for, Um Probably just get you know eighteen eighteen to twenty players who are eighteen to twenty players who who like I say are all operate on a similar level, and then you bulk it out with a few youngsters, a few young lads. Easier said than done, which is why I'm not quite sure we're going to do it in the summer. I think we might get maybe three quarters of what we want, um, yeah. and we're going to have to hope we are there or thereabouts come you know come January. And then we hopefully finish off what we need. Yeah, when there is the, you know, the twenty three twenty four version of Twanzebe and Pearson and Hoover available, come next January, you know, because maybe not those players, but there'll be players of that kind of variety who aren't getting a look in and Premier League clubs come January and say, you know what, I want to go out and play for some football for six months. 
and that's that's like I say. So we like you're saying there, we need to do what we can in the summer, but maybe fully expect that it could be January before we finish off the uh, yeah. the wheeling and dealing. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll say that like you 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 mentioned the first goal and it was the header on it and. Uh, just round off, obviously, the second goal, uh, Wells, sort of Mehmeti, who'd just come on himself three minutes before. Um, again, I think we were caught out a bit, caught sort of sort of pushing for a win. I think we knew we had to win, didn't we? So we'd stepped up a little bit and there was a big gap straight down the middle and he's just took advantage of it and rolled the ball past Bonham. Uh, not really much he can do. One thing I will say is I think Jagielka sort of showed his age a little bit in this game. I don't think he was yeah. his best performance. Um, there's probably going to be games. Again, he's been a solid defender, but if you, again, are going to be looking to get promotion out of this division, should should you be relying on, even as backup, a guy who's two, you know, what 42 by the time you want to get promoted? No, I think this is his last season, Dan. I, I would be so surprised um, if he goes any further. I mean, I, I still think he can do a job, but not a job for a team who wants to go up. Like, if we if we were saying, well, we just need another year of consolidation and we need to finish mid-table, then, yeah, by all means, keep him on. But I think if you want to try and... If, you, if you're looking to get promoted, if you're looking to finish in the top six... I mean, none of those clubs were after him where they last you know, when when we came in for him. No. He was fantastic for Derby, but Derby were had no money and were doing a real sort of rear guard trying to stay up amid a lot of the points deductions, weren't they? Um, with no money to spend at all. It was sort of, you know, get a few experienced heads together to try and just get some wins and make it respectable, see what we can, you know, can we by some miracle get out of it? Um and obviously that would Contract situation was how he came to Stoke, but he came to Stoke and there was no, there wasn't like we beat off a load of competition for him. He's done a great, don't get me wrong, he's done a great job in the 18 months he's been here when he's been called upon. In the whole, he's been solid. I think that probably the, the other defenders in the squad have learned a lot from him, but I wouldn't want to think that we are relying on him next season if we want to, like, going and taking on every team in this league um, you know going up to going away to Middlesbrough like we did the other week and, and taking the game to them and trying to beat them because you know because we need to beat them because we are going for second spot same as they are for example I wouldn't you know, I wouldn't want to think that we've got a guy nearly 42 at the back because they no, I think we've got we've got Taylor who you know again is Got big potential. Uh, we saw that. He's been un- really unfortunate with injuries this year. Like he's been, honestly, at least two injuries. I think he's had, and you know, not exactly just slight niggles. Um, so no. I think, yeah, if you want about like a backup players, because if he, let's say he gets Axel, and obviously Ben Wilmot's clearly going to be uh, the one of the main centre backs for us going forward, regardless. So you know, if they're going to be your your top two defenders. I still think you need someone young, energetic. He's about 17 feet tall. Always helps. Um, so, you know, you've, you've got that as well. And he's got, maybe Jagielka could sign on as a defensive coach or just you know, somewhere in the actual uh, setup and, and hopefully, you know, kind of bring these people forward and 
you know, give him a bit of advice, which I'm sure he's done plenty of. Even when he's been injured, I'm sure, you know, he's talking to them all the time. So for me, I'd rather have Taylor there on the bench who could, you know, come in and do a job. Yeah, and I think that, like I say, if he isn't being a coach, that judging by what we've just said about squad size, there's no harm in him. You know, be wouldn't be grudging, you know, staying on and being registered as a player. I just think that we should maybe be looking to bring or, or have a list of defenders where you go, Twanzibi Wilmot are a first choice pairing. Come the start of the season, Twanzibi Wilmot, they're a first choice pairing, for example. And we've got uh, Connor Taylor as backup, and we've got this player as backup. And should we have some sort of injury crisis where three of them aren't available, we have also got Phil Jagielka. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, talking of Ben Wilmot, man of the match, Paul. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so Ben Wilmot, uh, 60% of the vote. Um, so, well done. At just as Will Smallbone was getting... Right on three points away from him. Will didn't get a single vote. So Will he's actually been able to take himself 28 points clear of nice. um, of small bone in the player of the season standings. Uh, ben Pearson was second on 13% and Jack Bonham was third with 9%. Uh Elliot Plant. Now he said the woman in the burger van, which got an five percent of the vote. <laughs> so it must have been a it's still better than the food that uh but it's probably because it's better than the food we get served in the actual stadium, mate. That's probably why. Yeah, I I did I did a, a frequent uh, Ricardo yesterday, mate. There's some lovely chili on, on uh, chili and rice. I was going to ask you how was Ricardo's. Was it as as good as you hoped? Yeah, yeah was, the toilets are amazing. <laughs> yeah, if anyone who doesn't know, Dan sent me pictures of the toilet. Now Dan wasn't, you know, he wasn't there with one thing in one hand and. The, you know, some else and the other. Like he, he, he very much just took a picture of the taps, and I think the fact that there was actually no tap, taps, and I think it was, it was all sensors. Um, so yeah, let's just clarify what the picture was. It's not that dodgy. Um, so you were very impressed then, with the, the toilets, Dan. I was, and the the sink is like a urinal style sink. So you're just peeing in the sink? More. Is that what you're trying to tell me? No, you like one, Dan, that that, that was actually a sink, just so you know. Yeah, one long sink. Yeah, I wonder why there's a mirror there. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Yeah, so as long as, as, long as that's all you were doing with that sink, I mean, that would have been yeah. very messy if I mean, not. Did that many t- there's that many TV screens in that place. There's two in the toilet. Really? Know. Yeah, <laughs> with commentary. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Right, anyway, we've kind of gone off on a bit of a tangent here. What what were we talking yeah, about? Ricardo, <laughs> Ricardo got the big thumbs up for me. Yeah, the food was nice. <laughs> um, you could get served, and the toilets were amazing. Blew me away. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, don't, don't use that term in the toilets, please. That's <laughs> <laughs> a different type of podcast. Two and a half million quid, about a million quid was spent on that, on that sink. <laughs> Yeah. Um, anyway, Please, Wilmot, Wilmot got first place. You got second and third. I've already told you. Listen, man. Uh, but Pearson you look what you've done to me. Pearson got second and Bonham got third. The right. Sorry. The, van, the woman in the burger van. She was in fourth place. <laughs> oh, what you've done? You've thrown me completely off now. I've just got images right. of you in the toilets. Never mind. Let's carry on. Hey, get them out of your head. <laughs> Right, uh, now, this pod was sophisticated at one point. 
it was. <laughs> um, right, now we've got Birmingham away, haven't we? Which is obviously what we're here today for. We've got West Brom at home next Saturday. And then we've got Wigan at home on Tuesday and Cardiff away. So there's only actually four games left before we have to decide our play of the season because we've got to present it to them on the pitch at the QPR game. Well, all being well, we're hoping. Same as we did last season. Um, so obviously we need to decide before the QPR game, which means those last two matches are null and void if you're in the player of the season. So, yeah, there's four games left and there's a 28-point lead for Ben Wilmot. Now, at this point in time, who's going to be player of the season for us, Mark, in your view? Ooh. Oh, you know Bear what? Mind, I think it's double points for a win. Yeah. Um... It's, I, I can't call it. I can't call it because I think we're going to beat QPR at home and I think we're going to beat Wigan at home. The QPC, QPR don't matter though, does it? Because we'll have already decided before them. Unless you want to like put it in and like Sharpie it on the bottom of the plate after the match is finished. So, uh, all right, if, if I can't count them, all right, well, I'd say then... So you can count Wigan. So it's Birmingham away, West Brom at home, Wigan at home, Cardiff away. I'll tell you, I think it'll be Ben Wilmot. I think we'll have a nice defensive victory somewhere there where a bit of a rear guard, probably maybe even West Brom at home, you know. They might come at us a bit and he might just be a good, a little bit like yesterday where he's just solid at the back. Um, don't really do much wrong. Gets in and we get a, a nice victory there. And I think that'll seal it. And I think the fact also that Smallbone may start his, his playing time decrease over the next few weeks. Um, may just play into Ben's hands as well. But yes, I'm calling it now. For me, I think Wilmot will end up as a player of the season for us. Okay. Fair enough. I think he's been pretty solid all season, so I think probably does deserve it, but yeah. Yeah. I think if you look at a lot of metrics, he probably comes out quite high, doesn't he, on sort of, especially like sort of games played and you know things he's... Defensively, I think if you were like say duels and all sorts passing success, I think he comes out quite high and quite a few of them. He's been very, very steady, steady defender, and um, yeah, especially the first half of the season when we needed somebody like that, I think he did play. He was playing really well. And obviously, Patch from the uh, Bristol City podcast, Three Peeps in a Pod, joined us uh, while well, sent us in some audio for the preview podcast for this game. Uh, he also sent us his thoughts post-match as well. Uh, always easier to get these post-match things when we've when we've lost, I'll be honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, let's hear what Patch had to say. So it turned out to be a good Friday for Bristol City up at Stoke. And it wasn't Jada Silva with a screamer, but Jada Silva was definitely up there for our man of the match, our left back. Uh, first goal of the season for Zach Viner, who is currently my player of the season. And Anis Mimetti, our signing from Wickham, getting on the score sheet as well. It, to be fair, the first half was pretty poor from, from both teams. Um, passes went astray. We uh, <laughs> were through one-on-one. 
Naki Wells, you'd have put a lot of money on him to score that one and that didn't go in, so maybe the right was on the wall. But uh, yeah, it was it was a, a quick-fire goal from you, uh, from Stoke, in the uh, in the first half to go 1-0 up. Um, and then we came out a little bit stronger in the second half and, and grew more into the game as it went on. A couple of changes. Uh, I thought Andy King came on, obviously, in the first half and did well. Um, and then we had uh, Mametti coming on um, and make, making a, an instant impact, and and yeah, it was it was one of those games where it was a squad game, and we ground out a two-one win. I think we deserved it in the end. Apologies, but uh, yeah, I think we think we did. Stoke's been a good place to go for us, so yeah, a good Friday, um, and we roll on to Middlesbrough match at home on Monday and see see what happens there. But it was in. It was it started out like two teams in mid-table um, and with not a lot to play for. But we want to finish the season strong and I'm, and I'm glad we finished the game strong as well. So, yeah, that's my uh, three peeps at a podcast review of Stoke City versus Bristol City. Take care. Yeah, not, not, not too much gloating there. I think he's sort of... He's sort of standard now that he did Bristol City come and he gets a ticket for that game and ends three points better off. Um, but yeah, fair, fair play to Pats. That's a, not a bad analysis of the game, to be fair. You know, yeah, quite fair. So, yeah. Right. Uh, shall we move into the very, what is today, very brief news? <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, so... Only one thing to report is the under-18s. Uh, they drew 1-1 with Newcastle. Uh, so it kicked off at 1 o'clock, a couple hours before the first team game. Uh, Newcastle took the lead in the second half, and then Justin Iwobi equalised for Stoke with about eight nine minutes left. Uh, so, yeah, we share the spoils there with the young magpies. Uh, and the next game for the under-18s is at home to Blackpool. This coming Saturday, 11am kickoff at Clayton Wood. Um, so yeah, there's nothing nothing to report from the under twenty ones, and obviously the women do play on Sunday, but this has been obviously recorded and released before they play, so we can't bring you that unfortunately. As much as we'll just assume that, that they won, yeah. Nostradamus, yes. Um, I'm gonna go no. our prediction now. Hang on, quick prediction. Go I'm gonna go for a three-one women's win. So there you go. If you listen to this now, we've won three-one. You owe me. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll take that and I'll say a 2-0. 2-0 women's win. So, yeah, we'll see. Okay. We'll see who's right. And we're not even going to put that on the predictor table, so don't even try and claim it next week if it finishes 3-1. Bonus I points, come on. <laughs> That's getting great, man. Um, in other news, so, yes, we said it would be brief. There is just uh, any other news is that Kiana Hoover has been named the official Stoke City Player of the Month for March. So congratulations to him for, what has he quadrupled his career goal tally during March? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, rather rather good month for him. I think he found a new lease of life in his career that he didn't probably didn't even know he, he had himself. <laughs> um uh, so there is that. He was also nominated for Championship Player of the Month uh, by the EFL judges, uh, but I don't believe he won that. And Alex Neal was also nominated for Manager of the Month, uh, which surprisingly he didn't get because that would have perfectly explained how he managed to throw away that match against Bristol City in the second half, wouldn't it? If he did it announced at half time, oh, yeah, Alex Neal's Manager of the Month for March. Oh, crap. <laughs> 
Yeah, we don't we don't do very well with that, do we? No, we do not. Um, but yes, I say, I told you it was brief, and that is your news for this podcast. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, into Birmingham. So, can we end Easter on a high? We have played them 108 times, 44 wins, 25 draws and 39 defeats. We've played them 52 times at Birmingham. We have 12 wins, 12 draws and 28 defeats. Now, that record isn't the greatest. You know, we've lost over 50% of our visits to Birmingham. We have no win in five versus Brum, and we haven't won in our last 14 trips to Birmingham, dating back to 1988. So imagine we probably had a quite a decent record before that run started. Um, yeah, I wasn't even born, basically. I, mean, I was born in 1988. Yeah. It depends on when that is, but that's pretty depressing. I was going to say 1987, July 87 I was born, so I was probably born at the start of that season that we last won at Birmingham. I don't quite remember it, I'll be honest. <laughs> um, it's interesting now, I mean, like, we did, we did come back victorious there. I was talking to you before this, before the pod went to Mark about this, uh, does it count or not? They'd be interesting to know, I mean, if you do listen to this, does, do you count this as a win or a draw? Now, we both say it's a draw. So we played them in the League Cup and we drew 4-4 after extra time and then we won on penalties. So to me, if you're looking at the game itself, that is a drawn game with an asterisk of you then won on penalties. But the actual match is a draw. So, yeah, if you do follow us on Facebook or Twitter, let us know what you think when when this pod is released. Is it a draw? Is it a win? Might even pop, pop a poll up, eh, Mike? And get people. Well, it almost takes you back to the Liverpool one where we beat them at Anfield. So technically we won 1 0, but technically we, we lost. We, we lost. Yeah. <laughs> um, won the game 1 0, um, lost on penalties. How's that way? <laughs> yeah, and drew on aggregate. Yeah. <laughs> so, there you go. three results in one night. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like I say, Quite depressing though. Four, I say, fourteen trips to Birmingham. I knew it was a bad ground. I knew we hadn't, I hadn't seen much success there. Did I know it was that bad? Not really. So yeah, it's quite, it's quite bad. Um, however, on the bright side, our away form puts us seventh in the away table. Twenty-eight points from twenty games. Birmingham have only picked up twenty-six points at home. So we've got more away points than they've got at home. 
and they do sit in 15th in the home table. Last five games, obviously we were second. We've now dropped to seventh place uh, with eight points from our last five games. And Birmingham, in a move that actually really surprised me, are sixth in the form table with 10 points from the last five matches. Um, I wasn't expecting them to be anywhere near that high, Mike, I'll be honest. No, um, I was. I must have. I always do keep a bit of an eye on uh, the Midlands teams, and I noticed they've been kind of scraping a few results here and there. I mean, if you look back at the actual games that they've had recently, Dan. I mean, they drew against Reading away. You know, they beat Blackburn. Funny enough, um, beat QPR. Whoop to do. Uh, and then you know they've had Watford and then Rotherham and then Wigan. So I must admit, if you look at them teams, they've had a few what you would expect them to pick up results. Um, bar the Watford game, which they got hammered 3-0. Other than that, yeah. Uh, you've got to put it into context. Um, they, they're on decent form, but they've also not played, you know, Burnley, Middlesbrough, Coventry and everything in that run, have they? I was going to say, they've got six games left, and if they get 10 points from the last six games, they'll be happy because they play Stoke, Sunderland, Millwall, Blackpool, yeah, Coventry and Sheffield United. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they're, they're probably paying for that good run of um, matches they just had with the, the running. They're probably happy that... I mean, I've seen something as well, that there's possible um, points deduction coming for Birmingham. And they, they're worried that they could be getting a, a points deduction for is it people who were... Um, apparently, there was, there was a potential takeover last, like, sort of 18 months ago. And the people who were potentially taking over the club put a lot of money into the club, but then never the takeover fell through and the money was never taken back out. So it's classed as third-party uh, financing because it's come from somebody who's neither a um, contracted sponsor or owner or shareholder. Um, so this breaches EFL rules. So they are, I think they are a bit worried at the minute that they could get some points deducted for that. I mean, this championship's getting a bit ridiculous. It's, it's as long as you don't get any points deducted, you should stay up by default at this rate. Yeah, it's that just says a lot about the actual state of finances around football right now, doesn't it? You can actually, as you said, you can get relegated without actually kicking football. I was going to say, Reading on forty-one points had six deducted, that would have put them in eighteenth. Wigan, they, they've had points, three points deducted. I mean, it is still only on 37 and five points off getting out the relegation zone. But I think the three points just sort of killed any any sort of hope they had wanted to sort of give up at that stage. Um, yeah. If Birmingham, I don't, I don't know what, what the, if they are having points deducted, what it's likely to be. But say, I mean, at the minute, they're eight points above Reading with six games to go. And we've just, you've just seen the run in there. Apart from Blackpool, you, they can't, probably don't. You know, go into many other of them other five games as favourites. I wouldn't say, um, or heavy favourites. So, I mean, if they beat, say, if they beat Blackpool, that's fifty-two. That's an that's eleven points they've got then over Reading. If they get six taken off, for example, all of a sudden they're only a couple of Reading wins and they're in the bottom three. Yeah, and in terms of. Our, our, our game, I was looking at their their tactics. I'm not sure if they've had much chance to do this, Dan, but I think they play like a like a four two three one. I mean, do, do you think we will stick to our kind of 
four, I'll generally four three three formation, or do you think we might go a little bit more defensive? Do you think we could go maybe back to a back three and bring Timon in, you know, as, as a wing back, gain him a bit more game time? Which way do you think he'll go? I I think Alex Neal said that he doesn't like playing three at the back. It's not a style that he enjoys playing at all. He doesn't like setting up that way. So I yeah. think at this, this stage of the season now, I can't see him doing this. I don't think there's any there's anything to gain for him from doing that. He wants to know who can play his way of playing for next season, doesn't he? He probably knows who's who's uh, benefits from playing three at the back uh, with wing backs and who doesn't. And I think if he goes down and says, oh, look, this guy plays wonderful in this formation, but next season I ain't playing that way. So what's what's the point? Will sort of be my sort of feeling on it. Um, yeah. Fancy timing coming in, though. Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah, I think I, I can see timing coming in, whether it's Sterling or Hoover who drop out, I'm not sure. But um, but yeah, I can definitely see... see um, like I say, timing coming in just just for a run of games between now and the end of the season. I think he needs some games just to, just to so he can sort of build into the summer. Then, to be honest, and get a bit of momentum going, ready for come back for pre-season and, and for the manager to to have a good look at him because I think he's had a very stop-start season time and 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 the manager really doesn't know in about four. I don't think whether he whether he can trust him or whether he can get the best out of him or where exactly to play him. Um, I know he's tried him further forward a couple of times, hasn't he? And it's like at the minute, like, like that game against um, against Bristol City on Friday, we needed a sub 20 minutes to go, and he's brought Fox on a left back. And yeah. I think, yeah, so is Fox now ahead of time in, in a left back category? Does Alex Neal knows he can trust Morgan Fox? Morgan Fox has played many, many, many minutes for Alex Neal in various, you know, two or three different positions. And he knows that he, Morgan Fox, will do him a job. Does he know Josh Timon? Well, and I think I would, if I was Alex Neal, I'd be giving Josh Timon every opportunity to, to show me what he can do between now and the end of the season. Because Alex Neal's no more, he'll know that Josh Timon can be an asset if he can get the best out of him. And I think, like I say, he needs to give him the opportunity, in my eyes, to to do that. And that, that's what, he's got six games, and there's a few players who he needs to give that opportunity to. But if he also goes along the lines of, I don't think Josh Timon can play left-back for me, then he's one of our saleable assets. He might see him as someone we can get a couple of million quid for, potentially. Because obviously there was interest, was it, from Rangers, I think, previously? Um, so maybe, maybe that's an option. I don't, don't get me wrong. I don't want him to go. I really like Josh Timon. He's a completely different player when he first signed, but he could be another couple of million quid in the bank. He could, but at the same time, you've then got out and go replace him. And uh, what you're saying, I'm, I'm using that based on the what you were saying though, just about Morgan Fox. If he thinks Fox can do a good enough job, and he's a cheap, you know, left back to have in the team. Then maybe it's just it's only one left back he needs instead of two. Yeah, to me though, I think again we were saying earlier when we were about Bonham and ceilings and floors. Morgan Flux is quite similar. There's he's a steady Eddie, so he doesn't fall yeah. through the floor, but he's also got a ceiling. 
and Josh time mm-hmm. and ceiling for me is, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, the Morgan Fox is living in a bungalow and Josh time has got a, a, a block of flats. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He's, he, he's got much, much more he can um, expand to if he can get the best out of him. And there's still, you know, we haven't seen him playing about four for a long time because Michael O'Neill never played that way and he's been no. injured for a lot of this season. So uh, Josh Tyron is a different player now to the one that we asked to play in about four in years gone by. I definitely would. If, if I was Alex Neal, I'd be thinking, yeah, I know Morgan Fox is steady Eddie, but if I can get the best out of Josh Tyron, if I can get a defending as good as Morgan Fox, but attacking like he can do, then during the, what what's like what's the difference between him and Hoover, for example? Like going forward, if, if he's going to do the same thing as uh, like I say um, as Hoover's getting getting license to get forward, um, you know Brown's bringing people out of possession every side and creating space for Hoover to run into getting in the back post. Who's to say that Josh Time can do that because he's got the pace, he's got the energy. And he's got a fantastic he's got delivery. Game. Yeah, he's got a fantastic delivery. And especially, you know, if you've got, if we're going to get people in the box now, you know, he's been putting balls into the box where we've had two men getting in there, let's be honest, for a lot of the last two, two or three years. You look at the amount of midfielders and people we're getting into the box now in open play. His timing gets forward, whips them crosses in, and he's got a forward. He's got a, a right winger coming in at the back post, and then he's got a right back coming in there. He's got a couple of central midfielders trying to get their head on it, you know, penalty spot area. He's got body, you know, how many bodies he's got to aim at there. We, we could score shed loads off those kind of deliveries. Yeah, it's if, it's if we can nurture his strengths and cover the what were weaknesses in the past. And we need to find out are they still weaknesses? Because, like I say, it's been a long time since he's been a conventional left back in about four, really. Well, speaking of past, two people are returning uh, for for Birmingham, Dan, I believe. They are indeed. Uh, so obviously, the manager was one of my favourite Stoke players when I was growing up, John Eustace. Yeah, um, me too. So yeah, so uh, just to let everyone know, Alex Neil, John Eustace. Only one previous meeting, which was earlier this season, and obviously Birmingham came out on top, and they two one at the back three six five. But I wouldn't read too much into that because, let's be honest, most teams have won at the back three six five this season. Yeah, they're nothing special. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's the only meeting between the managers. But yeah, John Eustace, um, young up and coming manager, um, obviously his second job. He did have a few. You know, he had a few months stint in a job last year, and and like I say, he's, he's got this Birmingham one. But he, he seems to have done steady. I think they're a bit of they're another club in the championship, as we've sort of touched on with the possible points and that. They're probably not the easiest club to manage, are they? There's a few. There's a few in this league, where it's actually probably a tough job. You you're more than just a manager. I'd say you're probably you know juggling quite a few. Um, Juggling quite a few balls, aren't you? If you're in charge at one of these clubs, and Birmingham's definitely one of them. Yeah, well, I was looking at it earlier. I can't remember the exact figures, but they, I think they brought in double-figure players, and they'd spent about six hundred and eighty grand or something like that. So it's not like he's gone out and spent a, a ton of money, and he, you know, he's had to obviously work with what he's got. 
which for a young up and coming manager who can't spend money on a team, um, you know, you've really got to be good at your job. And arguably, for his second job, is in the championship and he's keeping a team up without, well, with very limited funds, you can say he's done probably a decent job. Uh, whether he's capable of going any further than that, um, we'll, time will tell. But I'm, I'm with you, John Eustace was, I don't know what who would even compare him to in the current current day, to be honest. He was, small for bone. me, he was always a steady Eddie. Yeah, yeah, maybe a small bone. Yeah, because um, he had plenty of energy, didn't he? And that, yeah. that's why his, his knee, sort of the knee injuries, sort of knocking him up, didn't he, a bit? But yeah, he was energy, he was tough in the tackle. And then, but he also had such a creative look as well. Actually, probably he could be a, more of a Josh Laurent, you know. He, yeah, I was just thinking down, that. Yeah, up and down, up and down. Scored plenty of goals, had a good pass on him, strong, tough in the tackle. Yeah, I'd say he was for, any, for, for all you kids listening, he's the <laughs> Josh Laurent of, of Mike and my uh, Mike and mine's childhood. <laughs> Yeah, he, he was he was a good player for us, and um, unfortunately, one person who is coming back, Dan uh, Scott Hogan, uh, yeah, actually well, Birmingham's top goal scorer. <laughs> yeah, so ten goals. So I think he's probably the reason, no, one of the main reasons why they are staying up. So yeah, for um, fair play to him. He, he didn't work out at Stoke, did it at all? He gave us that lovely. Last minute victory. Was it a victory or equalizer? Ven wanted at Swansea. He scored that last minute. I always thought. Yeah, but I I always thought with Scott, mate, that he he didn't get much of a chance. I think when he played, he was up playing up front with Gregory a lot, wasn't he? And them two seemed to have a a decent bit of communication going on at one point. And I just always felt that Hogan didn't look a bad player, but it was consistency in how in which he was played was, oh, the consistency of the of the inconsistency uh, was probably more accurate because he was a decent mid uh, midfielder, decent striker. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, he scored ten. Let's be honest, none of our strikers have scored ten this season. Uh, so Tyrus, not Tyrus is only a nine. He's not too far behind him. That was, uh, but yeah, he got ten this season, ten last seven. I mean, it's amazing as well. It was like. 2020 when he was at Stoke, you know, 2019. Yeah. 2000, yeah, 2019 he was at Stoke. And then in the January he went to Birmingham. Um, So, yeah, that long ago already. But, yeah, th- 13 games for Stoke, three three goals. Yeah, he was, like I say, he didn't set the world on fire, but I don't think, I think it was probably the wrong, the wrong club at the wrong time for him. Obviously, you know, we had... Um, so it would have been Nathan Jones, wouldn't it? Yeah, Nathan Jones, the manager at the time. I think the fact we have to think wrong. about that says everything. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, which one was it? Which one do we have? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that was the, the, the Jones's obviously starts the season. And yeah, I think it was, um, it didn't go well for anybody, did it? Let's be honest. It wasn't alone in, in not working out. We don't think we got a point. Did he, didn't get many points anywhere, did we, at that point, that stage of the no. season or whatever? But yeah, um, yes, it was just a yeah, two-one victory away at Swansea. He scored the last-minute winner, um, and that was the first time we won. <laughs> Shall we talk teams? Yeah, so let's talk teams. 
There you go. So I am making four changes. Uh, so Bonham's in goal. Hoover is going to be playing right back for me. Um, I didn't know. I, I, I didn't know whether to play Sterling or Hoover Sterling. Who I was like, but I think I'm going to. Whilst uh, we possibly could be bringing Henry back next summer, in my head, we can bring him back on loan next season. I can't afford to buy him, but I think yeah. we could get him back on loan. So we're going to stick with Henry there at right back. Uh, Connor Taylor is going to come in for me and play with Will Mott in the middle. I think it's time that Connor gets a good run out for these last few games um, alongside Will Mott. See how they play ready for next season. Is Connor somebody who can be... Um, can he be a first choice player next season or can he be a first choice backup or is he only going to be like second choice backup possibly out on loan these next six games will probably determine in Alex Neal's head where he is I think he does like him I think he's just not not quite in that pecking order during and these six games might just you know bolt game up a couple of places uh, Josh Tyman as I've already hinted is going to come in at left back for me uh, Pearson, Loren retain their places, but Lewis Baker comes in for Will Smallbone for me. Uh, I want to see this Pearson, Baker, Loren midfield. Uh, I'm confident that we'll get Pearson for next season so we can stick around. I think now we need to see the Baker, Loren sort of partnership in front of Pearson. I would run with this now again for the next six games. I want to see the old Lewis Baker back. Give him a run of games. Tell him this is your opportunity to show me I don't need another midfielder first choice in the summer. That doesn't need to be a priority of mine because you two can play in front of Ben Pearson and you can be as you know just as deadly and just as, as influential as we've been with Will Smallbone in the side. He set the bar for him. He's not going to be here next season. Lewis Baker, can you, you know, I jump style. Can you jump? Can you leap over that bar? Can you get that? Can you get up to them standards and do it for me in you know four or five of these last six games and show me that you you are the future of this club? Yeah. Uh, up front, Brown and Campbell, and then I'm going to bring Dwight Gale in. I think he he sort of said that Gale was there or thereabouts for the Bristol City game, didn't he? Um, yeah, but he didn't quite make the squad, so I'm going to bring Gale in. Um, not going to push Powell too much because so he's played Friday. I think he'd be, he'd be daft to expect him, you know, or you know, push him into another game on Monday unless he, unless you were really. <laughs> let's be honest, he's, you know, you what you've like I say six games left. Give him one, like give him Monday off and get him back out there on Saturday against West Brom. Um, I thought you were going to pretty much name my exact team for a second until the very last moment. So no, Nick Powell. The reason that I've already said last week, and I'll say again this week, if he wants a new contract, he better be able to play 90 minutes for the next five or six games. Clearly, I know he was taken off again the other day, but he's got a lot to prove. So, same team, except it's going to be Gale, Campbell and Powell up front. No excuses, Nick. 90 minutes for the rest of the season. Otherwise, get lost. Okay, fair enough. I've got Selena coming on. (laughs) That's, I think he needs to bring Selena on and probably probably Sterling as well. But yeah, I've, I've Sterling and Selena on the bench. Um, and then obviously I'd still come on for Hoover. I'd say probably uh, whoever's not whoever's not playing. Whether it be Brown, Campbell, Gale, uh, Selena can come on. I think Brown, Brown or Gale probably need to, you know, if Gale goes off, Brown can go down the middle, can't he? And Selena can come on. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what happened. Obviously, it's Bristol. Once it Campbell went on to the right, Selena went on to the left, and Brown went down the middle when Powell went off. Um, so it didn't really, didn't really click as much. Um, I know Ty usually likes cutting in onto his sort of left foot and that, but he, he seemed to find himself, you know. Uh, I was watching them in the final 15 minutes. Sterling was going out wide and Loren was sort of going out onto the right-hand side and Campbell was drifting very much into the middle as if they were playing sort of, you know, side-by-side side with Brown. Uh, it's sort of like you know, both of them down the middle or even sort of to Campbell's like a number 10. He sort of like, you know, was five, six yards off you know, behind Brown, he was sort of hovering in the middle. So he was obviously looking to get himself into sort of that area to to finish the move rather than be the provider, wasn't he, at that, at that point? So it'd be interesting to see, like, say, what tactically, whether that was something that came from the manager or that was just his sort of own in-game thinking and, and sort of um, instincts like you were hinting at earlier on. Uh just to let you know, the referee is Darren Bond, who you may remember refed us versus Brighton at home in the FA Cup um, a while back. So he has played referee 33 games this season, produced 135 yellow cards, four reds and given four penalties. Um, he has refereed, obviously refereed that Brighton game, but he in total... He has refed 11 Stoke games with three wins, one draw and seven defeats for us. So not fantastic. Uh, and for Birmingham, he's refed them twice this season, one draw, one defeat, uh, which is good news for us. However, he's refed Birmingham 22 occasions overall uh, with 10 victories, six draws and six defeats. So historically, uh, he is not a bad referee for them. Uh, so yeah, that doesn't bode well. Um, Prediction-wise, uh, nobody picked any points up. By the way, in the predictor table, so Graham still leads the way on fifty-one. Mike, you're on forty-one. I'm on forty-two, and the opponents, the opposition fans, and that I've got twenty-five. Uh, now, unfortunately, we've not got any opposition audio for you today, but we do have. As always, the ever-reliable, never-lets-us-down, Graham McGarry with his prediction for this game against Birmingham. Happy Easter. Well, it wasn't a good start to Easter, was it, for you Stoke City supporters, unfortunately? And not many people would have been expecting Bristol City to leave the bet 365 with the three points either, especially after the last few results that Alex Neal's side had been putting together. And also getting off to a good start on that Good Friday afternoon with a goal from uh, Nick Powell. But they've got to put that behind them, make the short trip down the M6 for an Easter Monday afternoon game against a Birmingham City side who really do have a lot of inconsistency about them. But they're always a difficult side to play against at St Andrews and Alex Neal's side, whatever one he selects, will have to be on their metal to come back down the M6 later that Monday evening with some points on the board. But I think it was just a little kick up the backside for the team and I think they will respond, although it's going to be tight and tough. But I'm going to go for a slender, narrow 1-0 win for the mighty, mighty Potters. Yes, happy Easter to you also, Graham. Uh, thank you for that. And yes, a 1-0 win. Um, you know what? I think I'm also going to say that we're going to get three points. I think we're going to score more goals. I'm going for a 3-1 win. 
think Birmingham, oh. a little bit of turmoil. I wonder if they might just be um, playing on the minds as possible points deduction if there is anything serious in it. I think away from home, we've been bang at it. Um, and I'm going to say Josh Time is going to prove why he is a long-term prospect at left-back. He's going to get himself a goal. He's also going to set one up for Dwight Gale and Lewis Baker. So, yeah, Time and Baker and Gale, three of the changes, they're the ones getting the goals for us this week. 3-1. OK. Um, I've changed my mind three times during this podcast. <laughs> so I've got written down here, 2-1 Stoke win. I've also then about to go 2-1 Birmingham win to try and get myself some points if you two are both going for wins. <laughs> oh, I don't know what to do here. Do I go with my head or my heart? Going with your heart with Stoke is always one that lets you down. So I'm going to go, oh, this is dangerous, 2-1 Birmingham win just to try and get the points. <laughs> hey, mate, no wins in 14 trips. Yeah. Yeah. 85 years since we got a win there, so you might be you might be on the right course there. Let's hope you're not. No offence. <laughs> um, let's hope you score nil point, and me and Graham are the ones picking up the points this week. Um, yeah, I think. Is there anything else you want to talk about, mate? Um, no, I think that's pretty much it for me. To be honest, I just think yeah, it's. It's it's been it's been a decent run. I just to really round up what we were saying earlier on. Let's look at this on a positive. We're still on course for a top half finish, which will be the first top half finish since relegation. You know, we've got some teams coming up in QPR and Wigan and probably West Brom, who we could beat. So you know, there's plenty of points to to play for there. Um, you know, let's just keep a bit, a bit of realism. Let's go into this rest of the next five or six games now thinking right let's finish top half let's go into next season with a bit of hope that you know we can actually have a you know a playoff push we've got money to spend we've got a manager and an identity two things that you know we've been really lacking in recent times so let's just go in there and, and finish off this season on the high yeah fantastically put um yeah i think the manager knows that a lot of the time, what we struggle with is teams that come and sit back and defend, isn't it? Teams who, you know, sit with a with a good structure of defence in midfield and say, you know what, come break us down at home. That's where we generally come unstuck. And I think, do you know what? The games that we have got left are probably going to give us opportunities to try and rectify that and try and, you know, because I, I think there's a few clubs there who will probably come and play that way. So let's hope that we've the manager's got a few opportunities there to see, try out a few things, um, and find a way to get around that issue ready for next season. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're gonna leave it at that. Happy Easter, everybody. I hope that Enjoy your eggs. Enjoy your eggs, yes. Uh, I hope that the Friday hasn't, you know, knocked the not the uh the excitement out of you for a nice long bank holiday weekend. Um, but yeah, let's hope that three points on Monday can send us all back into work on Tuesday with a skip and a step. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.